KFC Life Insurance Company Limited FY20 earnings conference call. As a reminder, all participant lines will be in the listen-only mode and there will be an opportunity for you to ask questions after the presentation concludes. Should you need assistance during the conference call, please signal an operator by pressing star then zero on your touchstone phone. Please note that this conference is being recorded. I now hand the conference over to Ms. Vibha Padalkar, MD and CEO. Thank you and over to you, ma'am. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the discussion on our results for the year ended March 31, 2020. Our results, including the investor presentation, press release, and regulatory disclosures are already available on our website, as well as that of the stock exchanges. I have with me Suresh Badami, Executive Director, Neeraj Shah, CFO, Srinivasan Parthasarthi, our appointed actuary, and Kunal Jain from Investor Relations. I will run through the key highlights of our FY20 results and would be happy to take questions post that. Starting with an update on the current situation. As a result of this pandemic, human lives have been disrupted and organizations around the world are witnessing challenging times. As a responsible corporate citizen, the safety and well-being of our employees, customers and partners and ensuring uninterrupted service to our customers are our foremost priorities. The impact of the outbreak has been seen across both new business and renewal collections, with customers wanting to conserve cash till clarity emerges. While it might take some more time for things to settle down and a new normal to emerge, we believe that the structural story for insurance remains intact and we expect business to emerge stronger at the end of this pandemic. Our existing suite of digital assets has enabled us to continue providing a seamless experience to the end customer from a new business and servicing perspective. On the servicing front, adoption of our digital servicing avenue has seen an overall increase of 67% during the lockdown period, while usage of our bots across WhatsApp, Twitter, and web has increased by 70%. We have settled around 3,000 maturity claims around 300 death and health claims, made nearly 21,000 annuity payouts, and processed close to 95,000 transactions in the first 15 days of lockdown. With regards to new business, we have seen a jump in the adoption of assets such as chat-based identification tool, pre-conversion verification chat, which allows customers to self-authenticate their details. Our virtual frontline sales model WISE enables our sales representatives to connect with customers via video calling and complete the sales process. Next, on business performance. While there was disruption in the last 10 days of March, we have been able to exhibit steady performance and delivery across all key metrics in FY20. We grew by 18% based on individual and overall APE, covering over 6.1 crore lives in FY20. Overall new business premiums have grown at 15% in FY20, leading to a market share of 21.5% amongst private players. We grew by 19% based on individual WRP compared to private industry growth of 5% and overall industry growth of 6%. This led to a 170 basis points increase in market share from 12.5% in FY19 
to 14.2% in FY20. We maintained our leadership position in the group segment with a market share of 29%. Our new business margin for FY20 was 25.9%, an increase of 130 basis points over the same period last year. Value of new business grew by 25%, increasing from rupees 1,537 crores in FY19 to Rs. 1,919 crores in FY20. A sharp fall in interest rates during the year led to lower EV unwind. This, coupled with strengthening of our persistency and mortality assumption, resulted in our operating return on embedded value reducing by 200 basis points to 18.1% compared to 20.1% last year. In anticipation of the possibility of worsening mortality due to COVID-19, we have created a COVID reserve, the adequacy of which would be reviewed at regular intervals. Our profit after tax saw a marginal increase over the previous year to rupees 1,295 crores. This is after providing rupees 106 crores for the Yes Bank 81 bonds held by us. New business strain was offset by our robust backbook surplus, which grew by 17%. Our solvency position remained strong at 184% compared to 188% a year ago, with the drop being due to fall in equity markets. We have received board approval to raise tier two capital via subordinated debt. It is an enabling resolution and the extent and timing of the fund raise will be assessed in due course. The sub debt would provide greater ability to increase our protection business and additional cushion against further market volatility. Additionally, in line with the IRDI circular to conserve capital, we have not declared any dividend for FY20. Next, on channel performance. The share of proprietary channels has increased to 36% in FY20 from 32% in the previous year. We remain focused on strengthening our relationship with all our bank assurance partners, including HDFC Bank, and maintain our market share with HDFC Bank. Additionally, our broker channel crossed the milestone of rupees 500 crores APE, growing by more than 1.5x over FY19. We continue to diversify our mix beyond the traditional modes of distribution and have deepened our relationships across 270 partners, including more than 40 in the new ecosystem space. Moving on to the product performance, our focus on maintaining a balanced product mix has helped us weather multiple business cycles, and we continue to actively pursue the same. Our savings business grew by 18%, while protection grew by 22% in FY20. We continue to address longevity risk for customers through our annuity and long-term income proposition. Protection remains a key focus area for us and accounted for 27.6% of our business in terms of new business premiums and 17.2% on weighted premium basis. Individual term protection was at 7.6% of individual APE and grew by 33% over the previous year. 13th month persistency has improved from 84% to 88% and 61st month persistency has improved from 51% to 54% for individual business. We continue to monitor persistency in this difficult period for customers, especially for the ULIP segment. We have also strengthened our assumptions in anticipation of any weakness in persistency. To conclude, we believe 
that while there are challenges in the short term, as detailed in our IR presentation, there would also be opportunities in terms of increased demand for protection, inorganic growth, and a flip to our reimagining insurance framework, such as work from home and offering innovative digital solutions to customers. We are preparing for multiple scenarios to pan out this year and will dynamically review and react with agility as events unfold. We endeavor to protect our downside risks while staying well poised to spot demand revival as the devastation caused by COVID-19 recedes. The detailed disclosure on our results is available in our investor presentation. In the end, I would like to thank all of you for your continued support of our company and hope that you and your family stay safe. We're happy to take questions now. Thank you very much. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question, you may press star and one on their touchstone telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. Participants are requested to use handsets while asking a question. Ladies and gentlemen, we will wait for a moment while the question queue assembles. The first question is from the line of Suresh Ganpati from Macquarie Capital Securities. Please go ahead. Yeah, uh, we have two questions. Uh, one is on the uh, any anecdotal uh, thing which you can share with us as to how the how, uh, what is the underground feedback with respect to how people are reacting to this COVID-19 situation? Is there a demand for a higher summit or are more inquiries picking up? Are companies asking for more uh, you know cover for their employees? Anything that you can share with? Yeah, hi, Suresh. Uh, yes, certainly. So some things are coming out very clearly. Um, so while if I were to look at March last 15 days and the degrowth um, that all of us witnessed, however, my online channel in the same period grew 13%. So uh, against the degrowth in the month of March of 28%, my online channel grew by 13%. Similarly, I'm seeing a term APE uh, growing. Uh, and again, just for the standalone month of um, March, my term share was 10% as against an overall annual share of about 8%. Uh, so that too, again, um, is showing, again, intuitively, that's what we would expect and that's what we are seeing. We're also seeing um, slightly smaller ticket size emerging. So people are somewhat reluctant, again, understandably, to have an outlay of, um, of you know, higher ticket sizes. Another aspect is that we are getting a lot more inquiries on group term insurance. Uh, from lots of employers. Unfortunately, this is not the time only to cover COVID. Um, it needs to be a more holistic level of coverage that employers should be looking for uh, for all their employees. Um, we are also looking uh, uh, no reduction, for example, in annuity business. Um, we are also not seeing that much of a reduction in some of our non-farm business, uh, which is a lot more of, in fact, it augurs well when people think that the um, you know, everything is just doing um, But clearly, unit length is not favorable to you and uh, hasn't been for a while, and it's just deepened in terms of uh, people staying away from that and from the market. So, I think this is what largely we are seeing, Suresh. Uh, what we're also seeing, another aspect is that customers, are, after uh, refusing to engage at all, um, or prospective customers are now somewhat willing, at least in some of the geographies that are showing signs of ending uh, the lockdown ending. Apart from the metros, we are seeing uh, willing to engage in conversations about slightly uh, lower ticket sizes. 
Okay. And can you ask someone to explain the page 22 of your presentation, which is the Millman report on ALM approach? Because I have some clarifications uh, which I Certainly. wanted. Yeah. Certainly. Neeraj, you want yeah. to have a... Hey, Suresh. Uh, yeah, so this hi. is uh, uh, basically uh, uh, Milliman had actually reviewed our ALM approach as what we've uh, mentioned uh, last time on the call as well. Uh, what you see on page 21 is the overall risk management framework and uh, what you see on page 22 is a summary of uh, what Milliman has just put out. Uh, but the scope of the review is uh, to basically uh, assess appropriateness of the ALM strategy for the non car business. That business, as you're aware, uh, has uh, two portfolios. The first one is uh, the non-power savings and the credit protect portfolio, which is portfolio one. And the second one is uh, our, uh, all our annuity business, which is both uh, immediate and deferred. So if you were to just go back on page 21 at the bottom, what you will see is that uh, our embedded value and BNB sensitivities to interest rate or the overall book have been laid out. You can compare it with what we've uh, disclosed in the past as well. And uh, both on embedded value as well as on VNB margin, the sensitivities are fairly contained. And uh, on the non-power book, we put it uh, next to that. Uh, what we've mentioned last time as well is that uh, uh, sensitivity or dollar duration is basically uh, something that helps you manage small changes in this trade without any slope change. What would be more appropriate for a liability like uh, regular premium non-power savings would be cash flow matching, which will not just cover small and parallel shifts in yield curve, but also slope changes and uh, larger changes and convexity as well. So that's where cash flow matching becomes more important. So we are happy to take a little more sensitivity in terms of uh, dollar duration if we are able to get a good cash flow match. So that's what uh, is there on page 22 as well. So the stresses that we've actually tested are over and above what we showed you on page 21, which is a 1% interest rate up and down. If you look at the scenarios, the first one is basically 150 basis points uh, shift in interest rate up and down. The second one is combining this interest rate variation with changes in persistency and mortality experience. And the third one is the risk of all guarantees being called in with 100% persistency and interest rates dropping sharply over the next uh, few years. So just uh, about 4% for the next five years, then dropping to 2% over the next five years, and then 0% thereafter. Even in that situation, the net asset position remains positive. So what this uh, exercise was meant to do was to validate our approach and also give comfort both to management team, our board, as well as to investors that uh, this uh, approach is appropriate, not just in terms of ensuring that uh, policyholder liability cash flows are protected, but also limiting the impact on the shareholder value. Okay, so the gap is positive throughout, right? Neeraj, 4.5%, 7%, the gap still remains positive in the first two scenarios also. Yeah, of course, it's yeah. positive for sure, but the changes yeah. are also fairly contained. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, thanks so much. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Prakash Kapadia from Anived Portfolio Management Managers Private Limited. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I had, you know, two questions. Uh, do we have, you know, any arrangements with, you know, 
some vendors to ensure you know renewals for our existing policy holders or some back to back arrangements because you know these are tough times so any such uh, arrangement yes. is there yeah. when you say arrangement yes we we have for uh, a loan or some mismatch so on a loan uh, apart from unit linked we are able to give a loan against policy especially after two or three premiums have been paid and there is uh, some level of current value that is uh, been firmed up so against that we regulations permit us to give a loan it is an over the counter loan and can also be uh, repaid by the policy holder once that immediate cash flow stress scenario eases off um, so we are uh, telling our policy holders that rather than uh, Uh, surrendering or or uh, lasting their policy why don't you take a temporary loan in case you think that uh, you know unsure of the cash flow situation and then uh, you can always uh, close the foreclose the loan uh, there is no minimum tenor you can foreclose the loan and uh, so that's something that we're doing what unfortunately we can't uh, say is for unit linked uh, policy holders uh, regulations earlier used to permit that uh, if that's no longer the case Okay, okay. So this is excluding the unit portfolio. That's correct. Yes. And how do we charge? Well, what is the interest rate for the tenure? It is tenure. cheaper than taking a personal loan. Quite cheap, quite, much cheaper than a personal loan. And you know, uh, there have been talks and you know discussions at IRDA for a health product. So how different is that? product which you know stand alone health insurers currently offer and uh, what is the advantage if you know a life insurance company have to do it yeah so we also as a life insurance company uh, we used to be allowed to sell health indemnity uh, products uh, but that was withdrawn a few years ago uh, our limited point is that um, the health opportunity has is very very underpenetrated um so largely if you were to look at we india has one of the highest uh, rates of out of pocket spending in healthcare almost 70% um and when you look at uh, some of the even emerging markets uh, the a lot more coverage is there so our our humble submission is is too pronged one is that penetration really uh, is still very very low so the pie really hasn't uh, expanded so we would like to help expand the pie and second is product innovation uh, that if you are allowed health indemnity then uh, we can also have product innovation wherein we can uh, ramp down life cover ramp up health have health savings account wrapped around health indemnity and so on and and third is the ease for the customer because we need to put the customer in the center of everything Uh, and that is if he goes for medicals once then you know i can just with very little pain to the customer i can give him uh, a, a more comprehensive cover so all of that means that it makes eminent sense and it is just uh, too premature for com- for different parts of insurance sectors to say that uh, you know this somebody will do and not do i think really keeping all these things in mind uh, that's our appeal as a industry okay. and upon the board approval for tier 2 is it what due to covid or the provision which you mentioned because of yes bank or reducing reinsurance for higher growth what's the objective of this fundraise so no it, it is an, um, really um, 
not nothing specific it's something that we have been toying with uh, even uh, towards the end of february uh, it's uh, simply that you know our uh, uh, solvency ratio has been hovering uh, we ended at 184% it was 188% so it's, it's been hovering around uh, 190% and thereabouts uh, we have said that as a board approved policy at 170% we will have to uh, think about raising capital although even at 170% it is uh, a fairly comfortable situation but nevertheless so given that and given the equity market fall so our solvency has been impacted uh, by about 10% uh, due to the equity market fall not specifically um, the 81 bonds or something so it is a overall uh, generic fall that we have uh, witnessed of about 26% um, as a result, uh, we thought that when green shoot starts appearing, and hopefully it's not that far away, then we should not be strapped. Because imagine a situation wherein um, lockdown progressively starts um, um, disappearing uh, in non-metros. Uh, but at the same time, equity mar uh, uh, markets remain extremely volatile. So there is a pressure on solvency, but demand is also there. And that situation is not entirely inconceivable. And hence, we thought that um, for, for growth, growth capital, especially from protection point of view, it, this is the, it makes a lot of sense to just uh, make one's uh, capital position and balance sheet a little bit more robust. But even today, we are uh, in a comfortable situation. And the final point is, you know, uh, when you separate out economic solvency versus a uh, factor-based or a rule-based solvency, economic uh, solvency is uh, even more comfortable or a risk-based solvency. Understood. That's helpful. Thanks. I'll come back if I have more questions. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Before we take the next question, a reminder to the participants, please limit your questions to two per participant. Should you have any follow-up, request you to rejoin the queue, please. The next question is from the lineup, Ajax Frederick from BNK Securities, please go ahead. Uh, hi, ma'am. Thanks for the opportunity. Ma'am, my questions are uh, uh, pertaining to protection. So we have been hiking protection prices at the par end, like one crore plus kind of uh, summer shirt. Uh, whereas our competitor has been hiking prices on the lower end of uh, summer shirt. And as you have pointed out, our recent scenario is tilting customers towards lower ticket prices. So, will this impact our demand in protection sales, retail protection sales going forward? So, you know, for us, uh, we have never been uh, the cheapest just for the reason that uh, that tends to be a very dangerous game. India has had one of the lowest levels of uh, term prices and when you look at uh, when you move towards interior uh, India and whether that is really sustainable, uh, one has to be very cautious about it. And plus the limited amount of uh, KYC that is available for us to do any risk-based monitoring. Um, so even before the uh, reinsurance pricing and after, I think we've, we haven't really wavered that much. I think we need to price it at a a sensible level wherein the mortality risk that we see emerging especially um, are something that we are able to cover. Uh, so to your question, I think uh, we will uh, have to stay competitive, no question about it. But at the same time, we don't want to carry uh, the kind of risks on our balance sheet that we either don't understand or we are very aggressive. Uh, so uh, margin impact is not there. That's what you're trying to say here. You're passed on all the reinsurance uh, rate hikes completed with customers? No, uh, that is not the case with us. 
um we will still be competitive and not necessarily pass on all the increases but we will find other ways of uh, ensuring that we are margin neutral okay okay and uh, just one more question ma'am on uh, uh, servicing clients through video calling uh, so uh, uh, how many clients i mean my question was more with respect to the sourcing side so how many clients are okay to do a uh, a telemedical or has the shift are you seeing a shift dramatically on ground yes we are seeing a pretty major uh, shift on the ground so if you were to look at uh, telemedical itself uh, earlier before covid it was hovering and i'm just going back in time start of fy20 it was about 8 to 10% that went up to 24% today we are trending at almost uh, 55% of telemedical in volume terms it has gone up by 50% so a uh, telemedicals along with a lot of uh, data analysis and making sense of the data that we already have as well as enriching it uh, with the data that is available legally available um, means that we are able to separate out and understand risk a lot better and hence uh, be able to increase the amount of telemedicals so this is going to be a ongoing thing so it's not just a covid related thing that we are relaxing something for covid that's something that we would stay away from okay my final question on uh, uh, again covid uh, since uh, not only us most of the private players have good exposure to maharashtra and bombay uh, during our stress testing have we factored the, those things into our mortality risk okay yes, very things. much yes um, i can pass it on so, so you know we we set up a a covid reserve covering about 4500 odd lives shrini you want to give a uh, some color on how we went about that yeah uh, so um the way we went about setting up this uh, covid reserve is um uh, we sort of mapped the actual covid case across the geographies um versus our own uh, lives uh, that are spread around the country and uh, sort of you know saw where all which all pockets are more exposed and accordingly we come up with a number uh, uh, where you know we think uh, uh, we can sort of provide for an extra 400 400 uh, sorry 4500 lives um in over and above the normal um, mortality that we would experience uh, and mm-hmm. you know that translates to about uh, 40 or crores uh, in terms of reserving Uh, so since that there is a lot of science gone behind whether you know it's a group product and the individual and whether it's metro and uh, you know uh, or uh, uh, the town b or c so you know a lot of analysis has been draw has been sort of uh, done and we have mapped the entire uh, geography of uh, of the country and across uh, with the actual number of lives we have written uh, considering both the individual as well as the group protection product is written up um, in, in the last few years and thereby arrived at this number of 4500 extra lives that can be covered through this uh, additional research perfect sir thanks thanks a lot sir that was very helpful thank, thank you. you the next question is from the line of sumit kariwala from morgan stanley please go ahead yeah hi thanks for the opportunity just wanted to get some color with respect to change in operating assumptions during the year and also some color on uh, operating variants what came down what went up uh, for fiscal year 20 shrini why don't you uh, give yeah say uh, operating uh, assumption uh, you would have seen in that uh, investor decks that the operating variance uh, has been largely positive 
but in spite of that, uh, we've gone about uh, strengthening assumptions, uh, mainly on the back of uh, the COVID scenario. Uh, we've um, primarily strengthened our persistency assumption across all cohort, I mean, uh, across all segments, you are participating in non pass because we don't know what uh, the customer's propensity to pay would be. Uh, but uh, like I said, the operating variance is largely positive. Um, uh, it's only because of uh, this COVID that we sort of set up these additional uh, prudence in the assumptions. Um, and they are mainly centered around uh, persistency uh, for the three segments I mentioned. Uh, mortality is by and large fairly neutral. And uh, the COVID result that we set up uh, is the only extra bit that we set for mortality. Okay, so what would be a 13 month persistency assumption for units in your, uh, as, of, as of fiscal 20 now? The actual experience you've have seen in somewhere in all the slides we've shown, the actual experience is around uh, 88%, Three, I think. Yeah. 80, um, yeah, Unit size. Yeah, yeah, so 83. Um, so, but we have uh, strengthened it uh, fairly sharply uh, from 83. Um, and we just wanted to wait and watch. And if everything moves normal in the first quarter, you know, few quarters, then we'll probably unwind those uh, prudence uh, from the persistence assumptions. See, because just to interrupt, Sumit, we are seeing uh, cash conservation, like I mentioned in my opening comments. So, while um, us and I'm sure all our all other insurance companies also will try and reach out to the customers once this immediate panic situation um, people come to grips with it um, and hopefully with a lag they will pay their premiums and we are able to uh, reinstate their policies uh, but really we don't know how long and how so we're just being a little bit conservative yeah also IRB you would know that they've given an extra window to pay so they've extended the grace period so people may just avail of that extended grace period. So uh, you know policies that where the premiums were probably due due in April and most of them would pay by May earlier. Now in the new scenario, they may actually pay it in June. So uh, since the situation is evolving, we were a little bit more cautious in setting the assumptions, in spite of the fairly positive uh, experience we've seen in, uh, in in the various segments. Okay, so final short uh, question. Uh, sorry to interrupt, sir, but if you have any follow up, request you to rejoin the queue, please. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. The next question. Uh, Mr. Kariwala, uh, sir, you may go ahead with your question. No, I was just trying to check uh, the persistency numbers that have been given. Is that as of uh, 11 months uh, ending, or that also incorporates March with uh, some grace period? This is for the 12 month ending uh, February. So it's from uh, okay. uh, previous that's March good. to February, uh, Sumit. Okay. Uh, that's only 12 month number because the yeah. up to March numbers will only come in around this time. Clear, very clear. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Arshit Toshniwal from Premji Invest. Please go ahead. Hi, sir. Hope you guys are doing good. Uh, one question. So, uh, in the retail protection, can we get some color on the, the policy ticket sizes and number of policies we did in FI 20 and 19? And and uh, how do you think that uh, 
changing because we have taken the reinsurance rate hike. Uh, but simultaneously, there is a there is a demand for lower ticket price policy. So some color around around growth uh, on that aspect. Yeah, so um, it's not necessarily that for protection it's a lower ticket size. I'm saying uh, my comments were more in terms of for savings it is a lower ticket size. For okay. protection we're not really seeing a lower ticket size. Okay. But if you but if you want to if you want the numbers maybe neither you can just uh, pass on the numbers on ticket size. Look at the Actually, Yeah, go ahead. From a ticket size perspective, one big shift that we've seen uh, over the last few quarters is uh, the switch to limited pay, which is now a significant part of the business, where uh, customers are actually preferring to uh, pay in a shorter span of time and have a coverage over a longer period of time. So that way mm -hmm. they get done with the commitment sooner, but the coverage continues for a longer period of time. So that, uh, as, as you would appreciate, mm -hmm. has only increased the ticket size uh, significantly over the past uh, few quarters. So. Right. Uh, Lower ticket size, I mean, we, we can see demand coming through various uh, modes. Some people might actually prefer return of premium because they believe that uh, the value doesn't come to them in case nothing happens. Some people may actually want to take a decision every year in terms of how relevant the coverage is. So the, the thing is that we are offering all of these options. And depending on uh, a particular customer's thinking in terms of how he or she wants to go about it, as well as in terms of the environment, what you just mentioned right now, so we don't know which way the demand will evolve. We have all these options available, and 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 we are happy to kind of uh, offer all of them to customers. Oh, okay. Sir. Yeah, and and final point I had there, Harshit, is that if I were to look at March exit rate ticket size, mm -hmm. uh, and that has grown overall by about nineteen percent. So, okay. uh, so for protection, it hasn't. We are not really seeing that that has gone down, but savings is going has gone down. Okay, got it, sir. Thank you. Thanks yeah, sure. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Avinash Singh from SBI Cap Securities. Please go ahead. Mr. Singh, your line is in talk mode. If you have muted yourself from the answer, kindly unmute yourself, please. Yeah, hi. Hi. Uh, yeah, so, uh, quickly, two questions. Uh, one, if you can please provide that 10 billion or almost 5.5% economic, negative economic variances in your EV walkthrough, what is the contribution of the reference rate going down and what's the impact of equity market fall. And the second one is that if I look, uh, put together the revenue account and shareholder account, uh, total uh, bad investment provision for the full year this year is almost close to 8 billion. That was last year, almost just 1 billion. So apart from yes back, year one, what are the other, uh, yeah, if you are, what are the other key names there? Thank you. Yeah, uh, Srini, do you want to take the first part yes, and then maybe followed by yeah, the next? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so largely, um, the um, the fall in the equity market is um, uh, sort of more uh, pronounced um, uh, than the upside and the bit of upside from the fall in the yields. Uh, so by and large, you see a, a, a more sort of a, a dominant effect uh, from equities on the VIF component, close to around um, seven eight hundred crores. Uh, and then uh, you have a little bit of this um, uh, 81 bonds effect uh, of another 100 crores. Uh, and, uh, but the upside from falling yields are primarily on the, uh, the A&W side. I mean, the, uh, the network uh, is only about 100 crores or so. So a large effect is actually due to the fall in the equities. Uh, and, you know, the fall in equities is, uh, is felt uh, primarily in the UN, uh, 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 in the UN products, where the loss of future 
uh, fund management charges as a result of the lower equity is the main reason for the uh, that itself is around 500 crores of the uh, thousand crores fall that you see there uh, and around 200 crores is uh, because of the uh, equity fall impact on the shareholder funds uh, so there so mainly it is the equity fall and a little bit of upside uh, uh, coming through from the uh, drop in the uh, yield curve. And uh, Neeraj, do you want to, want to just talk about the impairment? Uh, yes. Uh, so in terms of impairment, the number that you mentioned is broken down into shareholder and policyholder. So for policyholder, it's in the region of about uh, uh, 560 crores. And for shareholders, it's in the region of about 200 odd crores. Uh, this is largely on account of uh, the diminution in the equity value as per our impairment policy. So we, we basically stuck to our policy, which is approved by our investment board, com board investment committee, and taken the diminutions uh, because of the volatility that we've seen in the market. We've seen a 40% dip in the last quarter and a 30% dip in uh, uh, month of March in terms of the key indices. So that is something that we've reflected. A large part of the diminution that you see here is in quarter four. Uh, more than about 80% of the diminution for the year has happened in quarter four. Uh, a lot of, uh, apart from the SPAN, uh, SBank 81, which, which we referred to, uh, most of these others are, uh, are names which, which uh, we do expect uh, things to kind of uh, uh, change over the next few quarters and the diminution would then get adjusted accordingly. But uh, we've not taken any exception to our diminution policy in a volatile time. And we've, we've uh, stuck to that and taken all the diminution in equity as, uh, as required by our policy. And just to add to that, uh, even within the policyholder funds, uh, it is in various segments. So you would find uh, that it is there in unit link, par, and so on. So not all of it is a impact to profit, direct impact to profit. Thank you. The next question is from the lineup, Udit Kariwala from Ambit Capital. Please go ahead. Uh, Thank you for taking my question. Uh, my first question is in terms of the sensitivity analysis, uh, I think the numbers for persistency, interest rate and tax rate have gone up. Can you throw some light on this? Shini, you want to start off and then maybe Neeraj can add. Yeah, um, so uh, the numbers uh, are fairly stable. Uh, in fact, we saw uh, uh, you know, our account of uh, persistence has actually come down from the previous uh, uh, quarters uh, because the because of the strengthening of the assumptions I talked about earlier uh, in the persistency uh, the uh, the EV itself has, uh, has taken a hit because of the assumptions changes and, uh, and because the EV itself has come down any stresses on a reduced EV would actually come down correspondingly so the uh, uh, the sensitivity is actually lower uh, on the persistency from uh, what was the case earlier. So it's not actually gone up, so I don't know which one you're comparing. So, but I'm uh, talking to uh, sensitivity to VNB and not EV. Uh, why it has uh, you know moved up, and if you could give some color even for tax uh, and on the uh, reference rate as well. So when you say it's gone up, do you uh, I mean uh, the, uh, the VNB? Yeah, the sensitivities are higher. So it was it is 0.5 and 0.6. So you're saying it was higher from the previous quarter, you mean, or which I mean, it's higher? 
the last published sensitivity what was there right um i may need to check because i my understanding is it should actually so if i give out the number last persistency sensitivity was 0.8 minus 0.8 and uh, for increase in 10% and plus 0.6 for decrease in 10% uh, yeah. now it has gone up to minus 2.1 and 2.1 uh, for increase and decrease or decrease respectively even the tax rate sensitivity has moved up from 17.4 negative to minus 20 uh, and the reference rate has also gone up so just wanted to understand this right Actually, there will be a change in product mix to some extent, and also the assumption changes. So you could maybe refer to that channel. Uh, probably I can connect uh, after the call on this. Uh, the other thing uh, which I wanted to check is on the effective tax rate. Uh, has that been factored in, and what is the impact, if any? Nina, do you want to have a go? Yes. So that that's been done. In fact, we discussed this at the time of uh, this whole uh, budget uh, situation as well. So the effective tax rate uh, for us, in fact, uh, this time has has uh, gone down. And whatever changes that we expect uh, in the five twenty one have already been factored into our embedded value and our BNP. So uh, this time the ETR our uh, effective tax rate was lower because of uh, uh, lower surplus due to higher growth. and uh, higher dividend income that we received so we had a lower effective tax rate this year fy21 because of the uh, abolishment of uh, ddt uh, the impact of that uh, we stated uh, earlier as well is about 0.2% uh, on our uh, ev uh, vnb and about 0.2% on our uh, ev sorry 0.2 on vnb and 0.2 on uh, on ev on a negative side right yeah, on the negative side 0.3% on vnb and 0.2% on ev Okay. Thank you so much. That's it for my side. The next question is from Lineup Ravi Naredi from Naredi Investment. Please go ahead. Hello, ma'am. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, just uh, would like to know how much reinsurance we are doing and whom we do this insurance. So we have various uh, various uh, uh, reinsurance companies with whom we have treaty agreements. uh and uh, the amount that we retain also varies from different lines of business um so what we retain for example on um on our individual protection is very different from what we uh, would retain on our some of our savings product uh, and we also have a quota share so it is quite a, a quite varied in terms of different lines of business So this and, and reinsurance the reason for the increase, the reason for the increase in reinsurance premium that you see is largely because of us writing more protection business. Okay, and this reinsurance we are doing from Indian companies or foreign companies? We do from all companies. Whoever is willing to work with us, we do it. Okay, and ma'am, income from investment is lost around one thousand ten thousand two hundred twenty-nine crore. We will will you highlight what is the matter? Yes, because uh, everything is on track except the mark-to-market uh, uh, loss due to the equity markets having fallen by about twenty-six percent, uh, and that okay. is in the range of twelve thousand crore. We are required by regulation to whatever portfolio that we have, the one point two four trillion or one lakh twenty-four thousand crores, that we have to mark-to-market at least uh, in terms of whatever the prices, prevailing uh, rates are as of thirty-first uh, of March. uh and it is nothing but the mark to market uh, loss that you see 
And okay. uh, the, the reason for this is basically because uh, insurance companies need to recognize premium as revenue. And uh, any change in that is basically coming as either increase or decrease in revenue or income. Uh, what happens here is that if the markets are down and the income is shown as lower, that would uh, also reduce your reserves and liability to the same extent. So the impact on PNL is uh, really a second order effect of any uh, lower FMC on a lower base. Okay, okay. All the rest. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Sanket Goda from Spark Capital. Please go ahead. Hi, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, just, just I wanted a clarity that since we have not taken the uh, entire pass on of the reinsurance rate to the end customer, uh, just wanted you told that there will be different strategies to maintain, make it margin neutral. So just wanted to understand few which could help us to understand that the margins could be maintained in protection business. Yeah, so first of all, you know, our product Sanket is awaiting uh, regulatory approval. So whether we will pass it on or not and how much we pass it on, right now it's on the drawing board. Um, but as and when we get the, get the approval, uh, that's when um, in the past, because we do believe that um, just because reinsurers are charging us more does not mean that the you know, customer uh, should automatically be charged everything to retain margin. So we have to find other other ways. And some of those ways are uh, in, in product mix is one. Uh, even if you look at on par itself, uh, our uh, margins on par without uh, really uh, giving specific numbers have expanded 150 basis points. So there are different ways of uh, just stretching uh, margins. Uh, there's also uh, bringing down the cost of acquisition. Um, there is also um, some uh, also in terms of how much we retain on books that we feel fairly comfortable, so we don't have to necessarily reinsure every part of our business and so on. So it is, you know, we have four or five uh, different kinds of levers, some big, some small, for us to be able to um, cushion the, um, the the part that we don't pass on. Okay, so, so basically it means that probably if, if you don't pass on the rate hike completely, we might take a bit of hit on the protection margin, but it should be compensated by the better margins in the saving side, like uh, by the, by increasing the margins in power business or more retaining or cost of acquisition coming down kind of a thing. Uh, is my so understanding we, right? Yeah, so we uh, always take a portfolio approach. Um, so we look at port portfolio margins rather than at a segment level because ultimately it's at a company level margin and there will always be, be these pushes and pulls. Yeah, and just uh, one more thing which I wanted to understand is that uh, our BNB margin uh, assumption changes is 60 bits, negative 60 bits, uh, but 20 bits is coming from uh, coming from effective tax rate. So just wanted to understand what where is that 40 bits coming from. And and similarly, that operating assumption changes of 1.2 billion rupees what we made in, in the EV, uh, can we get that broader breakup uh, into effective tax rate, cost, and persistency? Neil, do you want to start off from that? Yes, if you uh, look at the PNB uh, sensitivity. Uh, I'm referring to page number 35 with respect to VNB, where you say that VNB margin is uh, uh, is impacted by 60 bits because of the assumption change. I understand 0.2 is coming from effective tax rate. So I just wanted to understand where that 40 bits is coming from. And second, with respect to the EV waterfall chart, which is in page number uh, page number uh, 10, 10 where where operating assumption changes is minus 0.2. So so I believe some portion is uh, effective tax rate. And where is the other part coming from? 
So uh, we mentioned earlier on the call as well. Uh, so what we've done is in, uh, this time, uh, uh, effective tax rate is one, but uh, also we mentioned that we've strengthened our assumptions. Assumptions are both in terms of uh, mortality as well as in terms of persistency. So uh, what we've done is that uh, we've uh, reviewed the experience of uh, March uh, that's happened post uh, COVID. We've also taken some sort of uh, uh, estimates uh, in terms of uh, how we believe persistency will pan out uh, going forward. Srini alluded to that in terms of uh, actual persistency versus uh, the, the stresses that we've taken. So some part of it, uh, large part of it is obviously on the back book, which is uh, reflecting in the uh, WIF uh, change. But uh, the business written in the class 12 months also has to be given impact or rather has to be given effect. Too. So that is what you see as uh, uh, the assumption change in the VNBS in addition to uh, ETR and in addition to uh, uh, the COVID reserve. So that's that's basically the uh, on the VNB side. As far as uh, uh, EV is concerned, if you can, so I'm sorry, if you could just repeat your question, sorry. No, no, I uh, know broadly, I think uh, you have answered it with respect to this also that 1.2 billion is combination of effective tax rate, persistency strengthening and COVID reserve strengthening. That, that's that's, right. uh, that's, that's yeah. So basically we've yeah. given effect to the entire book not just uh, the past, but also the last 12 months. So we've Got split it. that into the two parts, yeah. And this, just in slide number 21, this is a little counterintuitive that the, when the interest rates are going up by 100 basis points, uh, we, our margins on VNB uh, uh, margins are showing negative for a non-power business. Actually, you will end up earning more. So net-net, uh, your margin should be positive with respect uh, rather than being negative. This, this, I am failing to understand that point. If you, if you can give a clarity, that would be really useful. Yeah, so typically what would happen is that if you're unhedged, then when interest rates go up, you will get higher margins out of your non-power book. And if interest rates oh. go down, obviously you will see a lot uh, lower margins. In our case, given that we are uh, fully hedged and not just on duration, but on cash flows, uh, and we have locked in our earnings through either assets that we bought or through FRAs that we've locked yeah. in. Uh, that's how the sign change is uh, uh, possible in our case. And that in fact is actually giving us more comfort and it should give more comfort to investors as well that when interest rates actually go down, which is what people think will happen over the medium to long term, uh, the margins will only see an upside. Got it. Fair enough. And uh, finally, just uh, on your credit protect. Okay, no problem. I will take it uh, subsequently. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Vinod Raja Rami, Raja Mani from HSBC. Please go ahead. Hello. Uh, uh, I had a question on the, um, uh, your EV walk, uh, that uh, 10 billion number which you have talked about in terms of the operating uh, variance. If you could just give a split in terms of how much is um, uh, related to uh, equity and how much is it uh, related to debt. Chini, you want to, you have that handy? Yeah, yeah so uh, that's uh, broadly about um, 900 crores would be, um, uh, would be equity. And if you classify 81 bonds as equity, that will be another uh, 100 crores. But there is a slight contra uh, uh, movement on the debt side as well. So broadly, a significant proportion of 1,000 crores is actually equity. Okay. Thanks. And um, uh, in terms of the, um, uh, the, the tax rate change, what is the impact uh, in the operating uh, variance uh, 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 that you'll have in terms of the EV walk as well as the new business value walk? So we did discuss it is in the range of 0.2 to 0.3 percent. 
Okay, sure. Yeah, that's all. Thank you so much. Thank you. A reminder to the participants, please limit your questions to one per participant. Should you have any follow-up, request to rejoin the queue, please. The next question is from the line of Nidhi Jain, an individual investor. Please go ahead. Uh, uh, thanks for the opportunity. I'm from Investec. Uh, so uh, with respect to uh, the credit life business, which uh, uh, is most likely to see a decline in FI21, uh, so, and we were hedging our uh, non-par portfolio, we are doing cash flow hedge using credit life uh, inflows. So, do you see a change in hedging strategy uh, going into FI21 and uh, will there be a consequent impact on your ability to underwrite non-par savings business and offer uh, uh, the levels of guarantee that we were doing historically? So, Nidesh, hi. Uh, I'll just start off and then Neeraj can add. Uh, so, you know, we, we have been mentioning that uh, credit life uh, as a portfolio at the beginning when FRAs are not allowed, uh, that's when it came, it came in handy. Today, it is no longer the only way that we hedge our non-power portfolio. There are uh, various other partly paid bonds as well as, like I mentioned, um, FRAs themselves. Uh, and this uh, aids in both uh, ALM as well as cash flow, hedge, uh, cash flow matching. Um, so, so it is not that everything is only dependent on credit life, which yes, I and we do agree with you. Apart from certain parts of um, the, the lending environment, most of it is in a fairly bearish mode. Anything, Anira, you want to add? No, you covered it. Just, just a couple of very quick things. So there are two things here. One is in terms of the rate, and second is in terms of the amount of business. Now, rate is not really dependent on any of the hedging instruments. It's really dependent on what's available in the economy and uh, based on our ability to take any credit risk, lock in the rates. So the rates that will be available to customers will be completely based on that, as you've seen in the past, with our dynamic repricing, both in uh, Sanjay Plus as well as in annuities. As far as the amount of business is concerned, uh, with the added avenues that we have for hedging, we do not see that to be a constraint. But, uh, of course, we will... Uh, uh, monitor our ability to write new business on uh, on the basis of the ability to hedge as well. Whichever instrument uh, is effective, we will use that. And if at any point in time any of these become a constraint, of course we will monitor our product mix. But like you said in the past, uh, our willingness to write this uh, business uh, is, is more governed by our uh, balanced product mix approach. So every quarter you've seen us bring down this uh, business to a particular level, so that approach will continue. Sure. And secondly, from a product mix perspective, if I look at uh, 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 over the next two to three years, uh, I think uh, one should not expect a further increase in non part savings as percentage of overall uh, uh, mix. So hence, from here onwards, the margin improvement lever is largely from annuity and protection. Uh, is that a right understanding or do you see margin improvement levers in the savings business also? We definitely see them in uh, savings as well. And if we get health, even more so. So, you know, uh, it, uh, we don't want to be slotted into it's either this or that as whatever is visible today. There are so many other product innovations that we can do, which could be hybrid uh, between different segments. Um, technology is something that we have just scratched the surface in terms of how we offer. So it's not just what we sell, but also how we sell. So we, we feel uh, fairly enthused over... Uh, a lot of these innovations that uh, that, are, that would be first to the market. And so it, it somewhat will become not as important as to slotting it into protection, being the only savior or um, reducing something else or putting a cap on non-power. So, um, so it's a combination of 
both uh, technology as well as product innovation. Sure, sure. And just lastly, on the operating variances, if you can share the breakup uh, in terms of persistency, mortality, expenses, and others, uh, that would be very helpful. Any, you want to give a color on that? Sorry, uh, can you repeat the question? Oh, no. Operating variances, uh, giving more details on that. Right. So, operating variances, um, uh, you know, uh, largely the um, uh, and the persistency variance, and mortality, and uh, expense variance. Uh, so, by and large, uh, we are positive uh, on every one of them, um, and uh, you know, uh, because of uh, the uh, uh, various initiatives we put in place uh, to strengthen the thirteenth um, month persistency and mortality, and uh, due to uh, optimal uh, reinsurance um, uh, protection we've got. Uh, and also cost uh, control, uh, and all these things have resulted in various aspects of the operating variance uh, broadly, you know, uh, within our assumptions. Um, but like I said, in spite of the operating variance being favorable, uh, we have uh, decided to strengthen the uh, a few assumptions, uh, primarily on account of the uncertainties uh, resulting from uh, the COVID crisis we are going through. Uh, but as things pan out over the next uh, quarter, or two, uh, we will see whether there is any merit to unwind any of those assumptions. Sure, sure. And these operating... Uh, uh, Mr. Prices, uh, sure. Uh, sorry to interrupt, sir. Thank you. Sure. The next question is from Lainam Davalgada from DSP Mutual Fund. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, Viva. Uh, just a couple of questions. Uh, first, uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, operating cost and uh, its ability to sort of uh, help in this uh, time on the margins? Uh, just how much ability do we have on the cost front? Uh, to maintain margins and improve them. And the second is, uh, I missed the uh, comment that uh, Neeraj made around uh, the amount of uh, sort of uh, additions we made uh, related to persistency. So if you could just quantify that. Yeah, those are two questions. Thanks. Yeah, sure. So if you were to look at um, uh, the, the breakup of the cost, uh, about 26% odd is our um, employee-related cost. About 50% uh, is uh, all distributor and new business sales variable cost. Um, so if you were to um, see what are all the controllable versus non-controllable costs uh, and leave the employee costs as is because um, the need of the hour is to have uh, a little bit more of empathy. Um, so like I said, 50-55% sales variable. There's also volume-related cost, which is another 7% which is all your things like stamp duty and medical and uh, uh, those sorts of things. Again, uh, new business related. So that is 62%. Uh, and uh, then you have your fixed cost, which is your infrastructure, uh, your uh, technology investments, which is about 10, 12%. Uh, so um, 62 to 65% is almost entirely variable. That just leaves about... 35 to 38% that we have to deal with in the event of a slowdown, because that's what I'm assuming that uh, you are alluding to. And even within yeah. that, things like branches, uh, so we have 421 branches. We have a plan as we speak today as to if this is, uh, if, if COVID-19 takes a very long time to, uh, to really for us for no, no, normalcy to come back, as of today, we are um, able to service our customers, like I said in my opening comments, as to the, you know, the number of claims and the 300 death claims and the 21,000 annuity settlements, et cetera. 
there's, there's, there's virtually nothing that we're not able to do today, um, which means that we are in a position to be able to roll this out reasonably for good. Uh, and which means that we might not require that many touch points. Of course, this will be subject to our, some of our conversations with the regulator. But uh, the point is in terms of if there is that much of deep pain and for the survival uh, of the sector, some of those measures might become uh, very, very um, pertinent. But as of today, so we want to have a very calibrated approach. All the homework is done as of almost a fortnight back. Uh, of what we need to do in which scenarios. We have three scenarios that we have worked out on, and we will wait and watch and react uh, as those scenarios uh, hopefully don't pan out, um, because we also need to have uh, an eye on uh, when growth starts coming back. Uh, we, we have good people, we have um, good investments made, and it's very easy to roll back, but uh, more difficult to build once again. So really, it needs to be in a calibrated manner. But uh, like I said, the homework has been done, and we are ready with plans under the different scenarios. Understood. And uh, just um, uh, on the... Uh, sorry to interrupt, sir, but for any follow-up request to rejoin the queue, please. Sure, sure. Next yeah. question is from the line of mission from Kotak. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Uh, just two things. Uh, one was, uh, you know, if you could give a breakup of, uh, I, I actually dropped off in between, but if you could give, give us a breakup of the operating variance of 150 crores and uh, just on the investment variance of 1,000 crores, I think uh, somehow, you know, compare, looking at the sensitivity that you put out last quarter, I think it doesn't really add up. And uh, second one was on the COVID-2019 uh, kind of results, you know, what kind of uh, impact do you really see on the business? Uh, Srini, you want to have a go at Yeah. See, uh, I think the same question got asked uh, a while ago from someone. Um, so the uh, operating variance on all the uh, parameters, uh, they are positive. Uh, they add up to around 150 crores, uh, and every one of them is uh, positive. Um, on the um, investment uh, variance, uh, I was saying earlier that uh, out of 1,000 crores, uh, broadly around uh, uh, 700, uh, sorry, uh, 900 crores is uh, due to equity fall. Uh, and if you classify 81 bonds as uh, equity, then uh, it is another 100 crores fall due to equity. Uh, and remaining uh, small amount is due to debt. But debt, you should have a positive, right? Yeah, very small positive. But, you know, you have a, a contra because it is, I don't know how you classify the 81 bonds and all, but... Um, uh, you know that that's that's uh, that actual uh, diminution. So uh, yeah, so debts you will get a positive because of the drop in the yield curve, uh, but that's not as much uh, as it uh, because that's it's more than credit. I mean, are you suggesting that's what offset by the credit downgrade? No, uh, since you have the EV uh, on a risk-free uh, curve, so the, the EV is always at a, on a risk-free basis. You don't get credits for any, you know, uh, so it's on RFR basis, uh, the industry um, uh, curve that we use for valuing EV. So that, uh, but when, when you actually have a market crash or uh, bonds, uh, not sort of, you know, having a, um, a repayment issue like in the S1, S Bank 81, then there will be a, a actual downgrade or a diminution. So, uh, but of the 1,000 cores, uh, predominantly more than 900 cores is due to equity fall. Sure. Just and on uh, COVID 2019, this is just uh, 
kind of maybe yeah. maybe maybe put some numbers to you know what you are really looking yeah, at so covid reserves uh, we've set up around 40 odd crores for covid and that mm-hmm. is based on uh, uh, you know what uh, the actual spread of the pandemic across the country uh, and we mapped that uh, geographical spread uh, with our number of lives where we have written uh, in the uh, across various uh, states and um, uh, and cities and we also overlaid the um, you know the age profile because covid typically affects uh, a certain uh, uh, you know uh, age band uh, so mainly say 45 50 year plus plus comorbidities you know people who have diabetes or hypertension so we uh, we sort of classified uh, uh, the various uh, pockets of um, our book and compared that with the actual spread of the pandemic uh, in the country and uh, we also take an account of the um, you know various age bands in which people have fall under and accordingly come up with this number of uh, around 40 odd crores uh, which translates to around uh, 4500 or extra lives uh, that we have provided for uh, due to covid sure thank you thank you the next question is from line of mayank buradiwala from franklin templeton please go ahead Hey uh hi thanks for uh, taking my question um I'm, i just uh, have a follow up on those disclosures that you have provided on the uh, non par guaranteed book the three stress scenario tests that you have done and i understand under every scenario the equity value uh, on that particular book remains positive uh, but i want to understand that under which of these scenarios Uh, while the equity value is positive we would start seeing significant negative uh, variances versus what we have already assumed on to the next so uh, frank uh, uh, basically uh, this net asset liability position is is uh, reflective of uh, change in uh, shareholder value or the volatility and that uh, we i mean if your question was around equity values there is no equity that we hold in this uh, portfolio it's all debt so uh this what you see in the net uh, asset liability position change is basically the uh, upwards or downward change in that given any of these stress scenarios so uh, that's that's uh, that's what this indicates and if you see it uh, in conjunction with the earlier slide uh, it tells you the impact at an overall level uh, it gives you impact for the entire non par uh, portfolio on base case interest change uh, interest rate changes as well so these are the three additional uh, stress scenarios that we've taken which combines uh, or rather talks about a higher uh, change in interest rate and combining with uh, demographic changes as well in terms of uh, persistency so this is uh, the change in uh, shareholder value in case these changes do happen got it understood um also in terms of any follow up request to the region the queue please The next question is from the line of Shreya Shivani from CLSA India Private Limited. Please go ahead. Yeah, thank you for for the opportunity. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, first is on the guaranteed product, the non-par savings product. So, can you give some light on what is the uh, current guaranteed IRR that you are offering, and how much cut have we taken overall uh, with the first product, which was launched back in March 19 to now? and uh, how much demand i mean 
uh, do you think the demand of this product over FI21, keeping in mind that it is a year impacted by pandemic, so uh, what is your demand outlook on this product? And my second question is on the unwind rate. Um, so I wanted to understand if the FI20 unwind rate is based as of March 20 or is it based as of March 19? Because I see that the unwind rate has come down to 10.5% now. So if you can help me understand this and uh, any guidance on how it will be going ahead. Thank you. So as far as uh, demand for uh, non is concerned, it's, uh, you have to see it. In, so before that, in terms of repricing, we repriced uh, our product uh, uh, numerous times. We've discussed this, whether it's annuity or the non par product. We started with offering guaranteed rates uh, of uh, around 6% when the interest rates were in the 8% range. And uh, we've, we've kept these uh, in line with what's available in the market and uh, ensuring that our spread is enough to manage our risk, expenses, and margins. So we've, we've kind of maintained that. From a demand perspective, uh, we do not see this uh, uh, in in absolute terms. We need to see it in relative terms. When interest rates go down in the economy, they will also affect fixed deposit rates, savings bank rates, uh, small savings rates, as we've seen recently. So uh, what our product needs to compete with is with all of these instruments. Uh, and on a tax-adjusted basis, uh, the proposition still remains attractive. So in an, uncertain in an uncertain environment, even if interest rates go down, uh, the demand for this product uh, category should be fairly uh, healthy. Uh, how much we want to do will depend on what we all discussed earlier in, the, in, in, in terms of maintaining a balanced product mix and ensuring that the portfolio is always fully hedged. Uh, as far as uh, the unwind is concerned, we did mention that uh, interest rates have come off uh, in the 90 to 110 basis points range over the last uh, year and our unwind rate, which was in the eight and a half uh, percent range, has come down to about seven and a half, seven point six. So it's about uh, uh, it, it kind of completely reflects uh, the change that have happened uh, in the uh, interest rate uh, scenario over the last twelve months. Sure, understood. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question is on the line of Rishabh Parekh from Sydney Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, I had two questions. One is, Viva, uh, how are you seeing the behavior till date of renewal post this COVID crisis? Are you seeing a sharp reduction? While I appreciate that you have taken, uh, you have strengthened your uh, persistency assumptions, but just how has the behavior been on the ground is my first question. And my second question is the persistency. I just heard a previous caller ask if the persistency was only to February because the March data would be coming out now. So all the just wanted to clarify if all the persistencies mentioned in the presentation were to February and not March. Thanks. Yeah. Hi, Rishabh. Uh, yes. What we are beginning to see is that uh, there is a slowdown. Uh, how much is a slowdown? Uh, anything up between 40 to 50 percent uh, in terms of delayed collections is what we are saying. Um, is it alarming? Uh, we need to see because uh, it could also be a function of the fact that they have uh, now one more month to pay premium uh, while they're still counseling people and reaching out uh, to say that um, pay your premiums on time. Um, so, um, but, but as of now, there is a strong, uh, like I mentioned, uh, cash conservation. To your second uh, question, yes, it's as, as of February. Uh, and so just want to understand if this, this is the kind of experience that we have baked into our uh, uh, operating assum uh, assumption uh, strengthening. Is that, would that be fair to assume? We have baked that into our assumption strengthening and more so on unit link. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. 
The next question is from the line of Pawan from IFL. Please go ahead. Thank you, ma'am, for the opportunity. Um, my question is on the future growth of the business. Like you mentioned, that you will be looking at protection as the main focus area, and also mentioned that the NAS for when the interest rates have reduced, it still remains competitive with respect to what are the other products in the market available. But if you look at the savings for uh, the protection product, you know it has become like race to bottom with all the other players coming in and focusing more and more on the protection. Like every call you attend, everyone says that protection is their new focus product. Ulips are out of favor because of the market conditions and. non par while you say that it still remains attractive the interest rates are regularly going down year over year i mean at least over the last one year so looking at next 3 to 5 years what would be the like focus areas for the growth where would the growth be coming from thank you yeah so um uh, i i'll start off and maybe suresh you can add yeah. um we we uh, and even my earlier comments um, we don't believe that protection is the only lever Uh, and and protection is the only way forward for insurance there is a reason why in india savings led insurance made a lot of sense uh, and even today if i were to look at um, who are my customers and who is buying insurance there is a sizable population that's about say 48 years uh, of age uh, and uh, and perhaps not still uh, a happy convert to only buying protection um and so we are a firm believer that uh, we are catering to india and bharat uh, and want to penetrate into um into smaller ticket sizes uh, more into hinterland more into non salary class uh, and that's when all parts of our offering become very very relevant including say participating products and participating products today especially our uh, sanjay par advantage is uh, uh, significantly um, more uh, accretive Uh, to the bottom line than than maybe other asset classes and so on so and there is a place under the sun because uh, there is it makes sense for a risk averse um, policy holder who wants very little exposure to equity and and so on uh, likes money back schemes etc with a life cover so a balanced product mix is something we will continue to focus on we've been saying that for a long time so we'll continue to focus on that credit life is something that Uh, as long as we price it sensibly because there also we are beginning to see a lot of irrational behavior and we are actually beginning uh, to exit some of the relationships because again there is a race to the bottom because of the kind of pricing either to the distributor or uh, to um, uh, or in terms of um, how cheap you make the product uh, and not really covering your uh, the kind of claims experience that one is seeing especially in MFI and so um to so, and gti also is making uh, a lot of sense to us uh, health through on the group platform is making a lot of sense a uh, pension continues this is the first time we've introduced the slide maybe uh, it was too early uh, in terms of the call but uh, pension is another uh, different way of looking at longevity risk um, so for us it is uh, many tongs in the fire as against only protection suresh you want to add something yeah so you know i mean you covered it but And just to share with you, I think uh, one of the things that we see is an opportunity across mortality, liquidity, and longevity. Uh, we have probably the maximum range of products which we have been selling to on gold base. So, if you were to really look at our customer base, 
it's not that there is no opportunity for ULIP even in this market. So there is a set of customers who've seen a correction who probably to rebalance their portfolio. A lot of the customers who are looking at non-power products still see us as compared to many other asset classes. You know, even for the earlier questions that come, a lot of uh, the customers who had invested in non-power products at higher interest rates earlier, you can see very high persistency, which will probably remain. So, you know, we don't see that as there. Similarly, in terms of protection, I don't think customers out there are only going to go just based on pricing. A lot of uh, the uh, decisions by the customer depend on claim rates, depends on which company, which brand, what are the features of the particular product. And we do believe there is a lot of innovation which can happen in terms, even just not the vanilla product in terms of being able to cover. So we're not really worried about the markets. Like Viva said that, look, there are the annuity market and the annuity segment in that age group. Even if we were to look at our own customer base, the opportunity to upsell and cross-sell is so large that we can go back to a certain set of customers and sell any of these products. So we don't really see a worry in terms of which pool we want to remain profitable. But I do think that look, there's enough opportunity out there to reach out to a lot of customers who anyway, are getting more ever and inclined towards life insurance now. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the lineup, Hitesh Arora from Unify Capital. Please go ahead. Yeah. Uh, could you give a sense of the business that was lost due to COVID in the last, say, uh, 15, 16 calendar days of the financial year? And the uh, second was, uh, you know, uh, because the medical checkup, uh, you know, it's not possible these days. Do you limit at what uh, summer show uh, are you going for with currently? And that, what is, how do you tackle that? So there's some lost business there as well, right? So how do you tackle that? Yeah, so on that, uh, in terms of um, loss of revenue, about, Thousand to eleven hundred crores, a, a new business and renewal premium put together, is our estimate. Uh, Suresh, you want to add anything? In, in, I meant in terms of say, uh, it would be in terms of VND, what would be number? Um, you can assume a similar kind of a product mix. Um, okay, uh, so this number multiplied uh, the margin. This, this I'm talking about both new business and renewal put together. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. The next question is Anup Pratik from Electric Asset Management. Please go ahead. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Am I audible? Yeah. Hi, ma'am. Yes. Ma'am, just one. I was just thinking this. Uh, there are two, uh, if I may say, headwinds uh, for us this year, which would be as you just talked about credit life being a muted year because of lower disbursement growth, and secondly, on the protection side. Uh, the reinsurance cost might be passed on in a graded manner or you would look at alternative strategies. And given that this, the protection segment for us, when it comes to VNB is a substantial part, I'm just thinking as to uh, if you could, you know, uh, again, a, a talk of some clarity as to how will this get compensated when it comes to VNB margins? Because as I said, this is a substantial part of your VNB. And second is, ma'am, in your individual protection, I see growth of 23% on a YOY basis. But given that share of limited pay would be higher, uh, could you also talk about in terms of number of policies, what kind of growth have we seen? Thank you. Yeah, so um, you asked 50 questions. So uh, I, if sorry. I recall, the first question is is in terms of your um, uh, VNB um, and 
what your protection could have is, is that, was that your first question no my first question was that uh, your protection is a bnb is is a dominant i mean within your bnb protection is a dominant part and there Not are two as, headwind no uh, so i just want to uh, it is it is an important part but not necessarily a dominant part now i recall in terms of your credit life in fact the credit life slowdown will actually be some of and are exiting some of the partnerships like i talked about wherein there is irrational pricing or the trends on mortality uh, absolutely uh, we are unable to price those kind of trends uh, it will be margin accretive uh, rather than depletive so um, so that's on credit life Uh, from margin, I, from a margin perspective, not absolute perspective, I'm assuming, because uh, the lower margin products. No, even on that, even on even on absolute uh, VNB, because some of this are are loss making. Okay. Okay. Right. So, and that's why we want to exit. Otherwise, we won't exit it. Uh, it just doesn't make sense at all. And there's no roadmap also for us to get some clarity as to when are we likely to, uh, and if we are going to uh, break even at all. Right? Sure. And the last. Uh, yeah last and one. the question yeah the question was on limited pay uh, uh, could you just split the growth of your individual protection into number of policies versus ticket size if it is possible um neeraj do you have that uh, information ready otherwise we can give it to you separately yeah i think we'll just uh, connect offline please for this sure so and reba what is family policy density and client policy density this is on slide 32 just give me a second some additional customer insights i am assuming these yeah. customer insights are based on your own customers right yes yeah yeah this is this, these are all our own in, insights yeah so so what is family policy density so three is, point how do you define so it this is number of people in that family so on average close to four people and client client policy density is what so this is wherein um na, This, this will be at a unique uh, customer cost. level, and what will be there at the overall family. So you could have various policies in a particular yeah, family so, across yeah. multiple products. Correct. And the client policy is that where we have upsold to that client. So 1.3 policies is the average policy that our customers have. And 3.7 is per family. Per family, yeah. Ma'am, so then the uh, potential to farm is lower than hunt, right? Now, because if there are four policies per family for your customer. That incrementally you'll have to add new customers. Is that the way to think about it? Not really, because uh, not all of them, unfortunately, hold on to their policies. If you look at persistency data, um, that would be the case if they continue to pay their premiums. But for whatever reason, they stop paying. Uh, they are completely underinsured. So you can go back to them. They, and if, even if in, when you look at term rates uh, versus term rates that prevailed in India, maybe. Uh, four five years ago, uh, it, the, the rates today are even before the reinsurance and all that saga started. But the rates are as uh, as anything between thirty to forty percent cheaper. So there's always a conversation, or there's a product innovation that has happened, and we are known for product innovation. So for us to go back and say that okay, you now have very little cover. Are you interested in doing this at a much lower cost? Sure, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thank you. So sure. thank you. Thank you. We take the next question from the line of Raja Kumar V, an individual investor. Please go ahead. Yeah. Uh, good evening, ma'am. Uh, I have a question on the uh, the provisions for diminution of investments. I see that uh, the provision line appearing twice in the PNL. Now, uh, so, uh, it would be helpful if you could you could give some color to that, and also want to know that the markets have recovered since March. 
whether any of these positions would result in the coming process. I'm sorry, I, your voice was a little faint. If you could please repeat that. Hello? Yes, please, if you could repeat that question. Yeah. Uh, so my question is on the provision for uh, the diminution of investment. I see that the provision appearing uh, twice, uh, you know, in two lines in the PNL, uh, totaling to about 560 crores. Uh, just wanted to know, uh, you know, since the markets have recovered since uh, March, uh, you know, uh, I just want to know whether any of them would be reversing in the current quarter. And if so, you know, if you have any color on the amount. Uh, yes, so uh, we did discuss, right, and the uh, last part of the definition for FI20 was in the last quarter, and uh, this is as per impairment policy, so that's basically largely a quantitative factor of uh, uh, the change in uh, price since uh, the uh, securities were bought, and second is in terms of the movement in the last uh, uh, few months. So it's a combination of that, and if the trend reverses, of course, we will... Uh, be very happy to write that back. We will stick to the policy, uh, whatever the policy approved at any point in time, and the impairments would uh, take uh, cognizance of upward and down movements in the market. So yes, if there is a positive uh, change that happens in this quarter, which which we've seen since March 31st, we will see what can be crystallized as on uh, uh, June 30th, as per the policy. Okay. Uh, the second question is, uh, you know, despite having a 560 crore provision, your bottom line has uh, just uh, moved down only by like 60 crore, uh, you know, between the March 19th and the March 20th. So what is driving, uh, you know, despite the, the 500 crore provision, what is making up for this uh, you know, uh, bottom line? Basically, there are two things. One is uh, the policyholder surplus that comes uh, to shareholders. That's a la large chunk of uh, what... Uh, constitutes a shareholder profit. And the second is uh, the investment income from the shareholders. So the investment income from shareholders is, is uh, much uh, is a, is a lot higher than last year in, the account on the, in terms of uh, dividend income as well as in terms of dividends. The gains on realization have been lower than last year. And of course, we've taken diminutions. So the policyholder surplus has flown through uh, from uh, our unit link book largely because of lower business and also in terms of uh, the regular uh, transfers from uh, the participating book and the surpluses that arise from the non-par as well. So uh, we've, we've had a good uh, year in terms of new business growth as well as uh, healthy rate and healthy growth and renewals in spite of the situation that we just uh, discussed. So all of that contributes uh, positively to the uh, shareholder uh, accounting profit as well. Okay, okay, this is great. Uh, just uh, the last question uh, Mr. Raja Kumar. On uh, sorry to interrupt, sir, but for any follow-up request, please join the queue, please. The next question is from the line of Jatin Jain, an individual investor. Please go ahead. Hello. Yeah, hi, Jatin. Hello. Uh, Ma'am, actually, my question is uh, that for the insurance companies, March is a very important month. So due to the corona effect, how much uh, the percentage in the, uh, income has been affected if I compare to last year? If I can take How that. much of top line? Yeah, please go ahead. So, so you know, normally you are right. Uh, the last month of March has a fair percentage contribution to the overall business. But okay. however, if you have seen over the last few years, the skew of the business which is done in the last quarter has started coming down. So if, if you remember when we had the post-budget discussions also, we came back and said, look, tax is probably not one of the largest reasons why people buy insurance, which is one of those 
reasons. The SKU has moved from Q4 to Q1, Q2, and Q3. However, March still remains significant as an overall in terms of percentage. So you would normally find that the last 15 days or the last two weeks of March contribute to anywhere between 8 to 10 percent over 8 percent of the annual number. Now that is where more or less it has got affected. You would say in the industry the impact would be around 6 to 7 percent of the annual numbers which have come in from the COVID last 15 days. So that would probably be proportionate across all and you would find that in March, most of the numbers, obviously the IRDA numbers have now been published. Most of the insurers have degrown. We probably degrown the least uh, in terms of what was our March. But an estimate would be anywhere between 300 to 400 crores of new business which have got impacted in the last 10 days of March. Okay. Uh, as I said, just uh, that uh, your company has degrown least in the insurance sector. So can I assume that due to the, uh, the March effect, your profit is little down? It can be related? No, so actually the new business the strain actually affects the profit a little bit more in the sense that the more business you do, there is a more of a strain. So to some extent, the new business strain has actually come down because of a slightly lesser business. So maybe Neeraj, you can add on that. But effectively, we are looking at significantly much higher numbers. If you have seen the year-on-year -year growth, which has been for HTSC, like amongst the large private tech players, it can stand out in the higher double digits. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. We take the last question from the line of Madhubar Lada from HDFC Securities. Please go ahead. A couple of quick questions. Uh, you mentioned uh, that the equity hit was about 900 crores. Uh, on the VIF, uh, so uh, so this 900 crores is purely just because of the fund management charges on a lower equity value. That is the right way to read it, right? No, I said earlier, um, uh, fund manager UL is only about 500 crores. Uh, then you have the equity uh, uh, impact on the shareholder net worth, that is about 200 crores. And then on okay, the participating is... products also, you have some equities. And if the equities fall, uh, the ability to pay the future bonuses from which you will actually get a shareholder transfer, they also fall. So it is a projection of how much the total uh, loss in the future transfers as bonus to the par customers also has a contributory effect in the, uh, in the fall, uh, fall so, of equities. So, but so the UNSMC alone is around the 500 crores. And 200 crores so around par the shareholders, and, and 200 crores, another 200 crores is in the shareholder equity. Understood. Uh, and then uh, back to the non-par, uh, you know, additional disclosures that you've given. Uh, so, uh, you know, in the three scenarios, uh, our net asset position actually becomes uh, uh, is still positive, but. Uh, it is uh, it is slightly lower than what we have incorporated in our EV, right? That's the right way of reading it, right? Well, the right way to look at it is basically the base EV captures our uh, best estimate assumptions of each of these elements, whether it's the interest rate or uh, policyholder behavior. Uh, stresses in normal course are something that we put out in our sensitivity slide. These are severe stresses to one part of our portfolio. So the impact of which is mentioned at the bottom of page 21, uh, and the results of these stresses are what you're talking about on page 22. Now, this is basically to give uh, the management, uh, board, shareholders, uh, and all of us comfort that uh, 
even if there are severe stresses what is the movement in the value of the shareholders that is uh, what this uh, tells you because if you look at any extreme stresses for example if equity markets go down by 30% the impact on embedded value and bnb will be higher than what it would be in normal course now that's obviously going to be the case interest rates fall by 3% it will affect the portfolio in in different ways from what it would affect if interest rates fall by 1% so this is basically the severity of the test if you were to look at it in terms of the regular sensitivities that you do uh, sensitivities like shrini explained have in fact come down across each of those elements whether it's persistency interest rate because of a balanced portfolio yeah but this is this minus so uh, so minus you know 4.5% or minus 7% is on a baseline ed which we have in uh, on a baseline uh, sort of assumption that we have incorporated so uh, you know what percentage would these two portfolios sort of contribute in our ev so uh, in terms of our uh, value of enforce that's uh, fairly well spread between uh, unit link participating and non participating so the impact that you see is on this portfolio which will be one portion of the uh, of the we, we are not talking about uh, how much of uh, uh, this is coming from each of these components but is reasonably well distributed across the unit link participating and non participating and uh, what you see on page 21 is uh, the result 